Episode of Rider Break, the official podcast of Eagadevil.com. I'm your host, Eagadevil, and this is episode 10. Well, it's out, and I've seen it. It's the new Kamen Rider film. Kamen Rider, Kamen Rider, Wizard and Forze, Movie War, Ultimatum. I got back from seeing it a little while ago, so once again, here are my thoughts and impressions of the film. This will be less of a comprehensive synopsis and more of an overview of particular aspects of the film. Uh, for a more complete rundown on the movie's events, there's a spoiler-filled synopsis that was provided by a Japanese fan a few days ago, and that's been posted on Henshin Justice, among other places. I'll link to this in the show notes, and if you want a clearer picture of the sequence of events, you can follow along with that. Also, please note that I will get into spoilers in this review. If you want the short, spoiler-free version, just listen to the first few minutes and get ready to switch off after that, because I'll be talking about the end of the movie by the end of the episode. Also, I'm in the middle of a pretty bad cold as I record this, but I'll try to get through it in one piece and speak as clearly as I can. So, with that said, it's showtime! So, another year, another movie war, and I'm pleased to say this is another great one. I had a fantastic time with this movie, and it's easily the best writer film to come out in theaters in 2012. Now, I say in theaters because Movie War Mega Max also came out this year on DVD and Blu-ray, and a lot of fans didn't get a chance to see that uh, until then, myself included. Now, that film turned out to be one of my favorite Kamen Rider movies to date and really broke new ground for the annual Movie War series and Kamen Rider films as a whole. And it was always going to be a hard act to follow, and no doubt that's going to be the movie that Ultimatum is compared with, uh, given that it's from the same director and has at least half the same staff and cast involved, and then some. Well, Mega Max. That's still my personal favorite of the two. I would say that Ultimatum is at least just as good on the fundamental nuts and bolts filmmaking level. The writing and direction, they're top-notch. There's a really interesting plot, and there are some amazing action sequences. As with other Sakamoto films, there's a staggering amount of action, and it's very good action, too. There's a lot of untransformed fights, and even side characters really get a chance to shine, like... Jake and Shunpei, they're getting knocked around harder than usual. Everybody really gets a moment. The whole Ryder Club gets in on the action, uh, which they did in the Forza Summer movie, uh, and they do again here. They even bring back the laser rifles that they had in that film, which uh, that was pretty cool to see. Um, of particular note is that female characters get a lot of fight time in this movie. Uh, Rinko really gets a lot to do. She gets to shoot some guys up, and there's a fan-favorite guest star in the Forze part uh, who has a pretty good action moment. Also, one of the revamped Ishinomori heroes, Patrine, 
very nearly steals the movie, I have to say. I had no idea that human legs were capable of moving at the angles that she pulls off, but uh, she has some great fight scenes and is just a great character overall. But Nadesco actually gives her some pretty tough competition, so if you like superheroines, they got plenty of action and got to kick a lot of butt. The format is similar to Mega Max in that it feels more like one cohesive film, so there's no Toei logo interrupting things every 20 minutes. Uh, it still sort of has the five-act structure of Mega Max, but it's a little less defined. The bridging segments in between the Forze and Wizard parts are done by characters from either of those shows. You know, you don't have the original writers or double in the same capacity that you did with Mega Max. So, for example, Wizard's part, before that properly begins and we get the title and everything, when the Forze scene ends, we suddenly cut to a scene where Haruto is fighting some bad guys, and then that leads into his part of the movie. So that's pretty cool. And then interspersed with that, we keep cutting back to the villains. Um, but it is a lot like Mega Max, where the villains from the final part of the movie play a pretty big role in the second portion, so the wizard part of the film. It's a good final story for Forze, although not quite in the same way that Oz's was for Mega Max. I think some people will probably still want a little bit more Forze even after this movie, especially given that a particular plot point from the show, that of the presenters, doesn't really get much further explanation. They do bring them up. They are name-dropped by Kengo at one point, uh, but it's really kind of a throwaway line and it, they're not important to the plot or anything like that. So I think there's still room for exploration with them. Uh, if, if you felt that was necessary, you might not. You might say, well, you know, they should kind of remain this unknowable thing. But, you know, if you're coming into this wanting a bit more about who they are, then you don't get that. But at the same time, I think it's a good story for bringing the whole Forza cast back together for sort of one more go. And something that I really like is there's a scene where Gentaro goes around and recruiting all the old members because they're all off on their own thing. They've got jobs and lives and they've moved on and all that. But as soon as he shows up, they drop whatever they're doing and come back. Like, that's how strong their friendship is. I really liked that. For Wizard, it's really just kind of a fun side story. There's nothing that you'd need to see to understand the show at least up to episode 13, that could change, and they could do a tie-in at some point, but uh, it's mostly just sort of like, this is what happens in between episodes of Wizard, that kind of thing. Uh, it does involve the TV villains a bit. You get some scenes with Phoenix and Medusa, and they're not very happy about new villains muscling in on their territory, so it's a lot like Mega Max, with uh, how Foundation X kind of came, you know, butted heads with Gamo and all that. Uh, speaking of which, Foundation X is not in this movie, or mentioned, which, you know, it's okay. I think it's good to give them a break, and they are not essential for a rider crossover, as you can do one without them. And it also means the next time they show up, you know, it'll be a bigger deal. They'll, they'll be, we'll have been waiting to see them again, that sort of thing. Now, both riders are sharing the screen with a couple reimagined versions of classic Ishinomori heroes. And coming into the movie, I was a little skeptical about how they were going to do them, because with the Forza Summer movie, I liked Kyodine in execution, 
more so than in concept, if that makes any sense. In terms of, like, they were really cool, they got their classic moves, they looked good, you know, they felt like Kyodai and all that, but at the same time, they were also just kind of villains. Like, they just had Kyodai as the bad guys, and that was it. There wasn't anything more to it. It's almost like if you did a villain and made him look exactly like... I don't know, Aka Range or something. And then, and that was it. He's just a bad guy. There's no more, there's nothing more to it. And, and that's sort of how it was. I, I just, I wanted a bit more. I wanted this to be a return of Kyodine kind of thing. And so coming into this one, I was a little hesitant. And that, I would say that this film, it sort of addressed that problem in one area. And then in the other, it was kind of just like that again. But l- let me try to explain. The plots of the characters, particularly with Inazuman and Poitrine, who I know I'm saying wrong, but it, it's French, and I, I'm, I'm going off of how they say it in Japanese, which is Poitrine, so <laughs> I'll just have to bear with me. They weave their storylines into the writers in a really cool way, and much like how previous movie wars would make use of an element from each show, like memory and metals, or metals and a switch, and they combine for the final villain somehow, or are used by the final villain. Here it's done with something from each of the two new characters, and and that's really cool, and it makes their involvement feel very cohesive, and more than just we stuck them in because we could, that sort of thing. And, And there's the fact that there's a lot of thematic relevance, which I really liked, after thinking it over. For example, in Forze's part, we have a new version of the character Sanagi Man, who ultimately becomes Inazu Man, you know, who is one of the classic Ishinori heroes. And while he's heavily rooted in the comic version of the character, who was a student, there's also a lot taken from the live-action version, so it becomes a, a real good mix. Now, the live-action Inazu Man was a student, too, but that was an aspect... That was an element that was dropped very early on. He was a student and then kind of went to becoming a professional superhero that drives around and kicks butt. But in the comic, there's a lot of stuff with him and his school friends and all that, and they really translated that pretty well into live action here. I mean, they did the usual Forze thing of mixing up the names and all that, but if you're a fan of the Announcer Man comic, I think you can tell who's supposed to be who, and it's pretty cool to see it brought to life. Now, as for Sanagi Man, when I first saw the design, I was like, okay, that's, you know, I can see it, but he looks a bit more sort of blobby than even the original Sanagi Man, where at least I always see that design and think, okay, he's supposed to be a cocoon. Like that, I can see. Uh, the new one, the pictures in the magazines and stuff I saw, I was like, all right, he's okay. But actually seeing him in the movie, it really sold me. And one thing that I love is that they at the suit uses the suit actor's eyes the way that you know classic rider monsters would so you get a lot of emotion when you get these close-ups and you can see his eyes usually like one is kind of covered in shadow it, it looks really cool and it actually kind of plays into the story a bit with the character of miope who is the one girl who was in gentaro's new rider club because he's now a teacher and he still runs the rider club but she's the only member but she's also based on a character from the Nazaman comic, so of course she's going to have an important role with the new Sanagi Man, Inazuman character. Uh, and there's some there's some really good stuff between them, and that was cool. And the new Inazuman costume I liked a lot too. At first, I was a little unsure about it because 
the thing about Inazu Man is, you know, I like the comic version, but I really love the the original TV superhero costume because it, yeah, it looks a lot more like a superhero guy than than a mutant freak sort of thing. Uh, but at the same time, it's such a cool costume. It's so intricate with the the eyes and the antenna and all that. You know, it's a really it's kind of a it, it's sort of the costume I think that proves that you could do a bug themed superhero who still doesn't look like Kamen Rider at all. I mean. You know, there's superficial similarities, but Anazuman's really his his own thing, I think. Uh, and in this version, you know, it's pretty cool. They they kept a lot of the comic touches, but also touches from the live action costume, particularly the unused version of it, which I thought was pretty neat, where he had sort of these yellow splotches on his gloves and boots. Uh, and it it's really cool. I like how they did it a lot and how they handled the character is is very cool he retains the signature transformation phrases and the battle cry you know of course he has to yell chest and they even had him use the reverse chest in a really cool moment i was so glad to see that that's where basically he's fighting this guy who smashes the ground and sends this like shockwave of you know gravel and stuff towards him and he just like rewinds it back right into the guy it's awesome you know classic Man stuff there they gave him these sort of CGI butterfly wings, which was neat. I always thought Inazuman was a moth, but whatever, it was cool enough. Yeah, he's really cool. He gets a nice fight scene. And a lot like Kamen Rider Aqua in Mega Max, it was a really good origin story for him, and I'd love to see them bring him back now. Because, you know, as I said earlier, this is sort of this is what I wanted to see with Kyodan, where they had this character who, for a lot of the Forze part of the movie, you think is a villain. But then it turns out he's a good guy because Gentaro, early on in the movie, now, you know, Amarogawa is somehow still in business and he's a teacher there and Alternative Zero has become the principal. And um, he has this conversation with him where he's like, you know, you used to be a bad boy, but now you're a good man. But to be a great teacher, you have to be a, a true instructor. So Gentaro is like, how do I become a true instructor? He's trying to find the way how can he impart like the ultimate lesson and he has to do it with the Sanagiman character who has been sort of manipulated by this villain Bamba who is of course named after the villain from Inazuman and in this movie he's just kind of this greedy criminal guy but he's working for the main villains of the movie and he turns into the Herakus Zodiart uh, who I'll get to in a bit so Gentaro has to convince him to become a hero, to become a Nazaman, basically, because whenever he's Sanagi Man, he's he's a villain. But when we see him as a Nazaman, he's actually become a superhero, and he's in a way kind of become the next generation. Because in order to <laughs> convince him to become a hero, Gentaro has to tell him that you know you don't need to be a common rider to be special, to be a hero, and and to do that, he throws the Forze driver into a convenient pit of molten lava. Uh, which is just sitting around in a warehouse somewhere. And and that was a bit of a strange moment, I have to say. I, I didn't quite didn't quite get that. I mean, I got the idea of it, but uh, you know, I guess it was supposed to be like a, a smelting pit or something like that, but it, it did look kind of funny. It was like this big CGI lava pit in the middle of a warehouse that was conveniently there, too. But the idea was... You know, he wants to be friends with this guy so badly. I mean, it was a very Gentaro thing to do. And it was sort of funny that Ken goes there and he's like, go ahead, do what you got to do, buddy. You know, like he's fully behind it. 
Um, but yeah, he, he destroyed the Forza driver. The thing is, though, of course, by the end of the movie, they pretty much suggest that this isn't the end of Forza by any stretch, because Kengo even says, the Forza driver was Gentaro's friend, too. So, y- you know, if he needs it, it'll find a way to return to him. <laughs> Make of that what you will. But yeah, I, d- I don't think we've seen the last of Forza. Now, as for how Forza appears in the rest of the movie, that's pretty cool, because what he actually has to do, once all the uh, Inazuman stuff is taken care of, uh, one of the villains, one of the main villains, I should say, the Akamizer guys, the evil analog, uh, I'll get more into them in a bit, but he takes this thing that Sanagi Man has been using called Zebra, which is based on a weapon that Inazuman had in Inazuman Flash, uh, which is really cool. And in this movie, is sort of a psychic energy focusing thing because the, the bad guy's plot for the Forze part is that this Bomba character is trying to collect psychic energy from all these kids, including uh, Inazuman and his friends. He's got this little group called the Kaijin Dome, which is a, a play on the Shonen Dome, which is the youth core group from the Inazuman comic and TV show. So it's a nice little sort of inversion and actually, at the end, by the end of the movie, of course, they've you know straightened it all out, and they are the Shonen Dome now, which is nice. But so he's trying to do that, you know, in exchange for getting like a suitcase full of cash from the bad guys. And so they grab that and go back into the past because this is all happening five years in the future. Although the the kind of confusing thing is that the past is actually the present for us. So, yeah. The time travel in this movie, I, I really have to say, I think it's one of the best time travel plots in Kamen Rider. I mean, it, it makes perfect sense when you get to the end of it. It's just that explaining it's really hard because they keep, you know, they jump back to the past, but it's the present and the future is the present. It's, you know, it's really confusing. But when you watch the movie, it'll make a lot of sense. And I liked how it all ties together at the end, like the very end of the movie, like everything. I walked out of the theater like I totally understood how that worked, you know. That sort of thing. So, um, but anyway, yeah, he goes back to the past, and so Gentaro and Meteor and Nadesco, who shows up by that point, uh, because she saves Yuki. You think Yuki's dead at one point, but uh, she survives, and they kind of reveal in the very next scene, which is a bit funny. But there you go. They go back in the past, and Gentaro actually borrows the Forze driver from his past self, which is pretty funny. So that's how Forze works, anyway. Now, also very cool was the character of Poitrine, who arguably is even closer to her classic counterpart, but what do you expect when you have the main writer of her original show writing her again? Now, I really liked what they did with her, and putting her alongside Wizard was very cool. The whole Wizard sequence uh, is really weird. I mean, it's basically like Haruto just tripping out, he has this. He goes to this bizarro world where it's it's very hard to explain. You have to, I guess, again, just sort of see it for yourself. But uh, I mean, there's there's you know, it does the thing where it's like you think it's a dream at first, then he wakes up and everything happens again. It's really crazy, very trippy, but very cool. Uh, but it all it fits in with the style of his series, and it makes really good use of the internal logic of Wizard, because it all turns out to be he's sort of stuck in someone's underworld. You know, when he uses the engage ring there and, like, goes inside somebody, it's like he's he's stuck in one of those for the Poitrine character. At least that's what you think <laughs> at first. 
Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of very awesome and, and very kind of funny magical attacks that they both use. I mean, it was a good pairing, I think. And, you know, again, you know, as with Inazuman, I really would, I'd love to see more of this character. Now, they did something at the end of the movie that I wasn't really fond of. Probably my biggest complaint of the film is that it turns out, and you've, you've already read this if you read the synopsis, um, the whole Putrine character, like her identity and all that, is all sort of this fantasy created by the donut shop owner, <laughs> who is one of the people, there's, there's these five people that have been kidnapped by the bad guys to sort of power this psychic energy gateway generator thingamajig. Four of them are the kids who, five years from now, will be Nazaman and his friends, and the other one is the donut shop owner. So, you know, that's all kind of done for this, you know, funny joke at the end of the movie. And I guess, you know, it's not the idea of it that bothers me. It's just the fact that I liked Patrine so much in this. I wish we could see her again. You know, I really liked this version of her. And it would be great to have her, you know, even in the show, honestly. Like, I'd love to see them. I guess they just, they got to revive the Fushigi comedy series. That's That's what I'm getting at. Because uh, if it's anything like what they did in this movie, I'd love to see more. Like, I, I just had a great time with that one. So, yeah, you know, again, it's it's a minor quibble. But now I guess that sort of brings me to the villains of the movie. The main villains of the movie are based on Akamizer 3. And, again, I have some mixed feelings because, as with Kyodine... I just wish there had been a bit more, you know, that the way they do them in the actual movie is cool. You know, the, as far as the execution, it's great. They're awesome. But, you know, I just I just wanted a bit more than what we got. As it is, there are a bunch of really cool villains that are based on Akamizer, and that's pretty much it. But they're, like, they're so well done that you, you, you really wish that, man, you know, why couldn't this be the real Akamizer? Like, why couldn't this be the big return? This is how we introduce them to a new generation of kids it's like these are the new you know these are classic heroes back and and better than ever like that kind of thing but you know as for how they are they did a great job bringing them back they have very radical but very recognizable designs that are they're really the SIC ones on acid like I know a lot of people have said that they are literally are the SIC figures they're not quite they're different enough and there are ways in which I think actually the SIC are a bit more traditional. These are really taking off in a new direction because they're supposed to be different characters again, but you know, they're so close to Akamizer 3 that it's like, you know, with a little bit of changing, it would be, they would be the, the guys back and everything. And, uh, cause they're, they're just filled with all these little touches and nods to the TV originals. Zavitan has the shoulder cannons of doom, and Gabra needs to drink water all the time. You know, they have their catchphrases when they pull the swords out, and they even have the finisher move from the show, which honestly, I forgot all about. Like, it's been a while since I watched Akamizer, but as soon as they did it, you know, Gabra and Evil, I mean, they got different names now, it's Gara and Evil or something, they put their hands together, and Zavitan jumps in the air and jumps on him, and it was like, that's the Akamizer finisher. That's so awesome. And and they kick Wizard's butt. I gotta say, like, you know, they did a really good job of building them up as this huge threat because they just knock the 
heck out of him up until the end, like until Forze shows up and the rest of the guys. Uh, that's sort of the like the message of the movie is that there is definitely strength in numbers because when you're up against three guys, they will win every time. Uh, but yeah, they're really cool just in, in terms of how they did them. Uh, Gabra, he gets a really badass update to the, the bird form that he had in the original show, which is now like this giant monster that Wizard fights. That was really cool. And the actual final battle of the movie, you know, the stuff that you've seen in the trailers and all that shows, like the eight riders fighting this giant moving van of death and destruction, and that, that's pretty cool with all the revived monsters and stuff. But after that, what happens is... Uh, it's driving towards this huge, like, flaming volcano thing, and it crashes into this pit of lava. It's, like, just this awesome <laughs> battle scene. But after all that, it, like, comes out of lava, and Zabitan is piloting a new, like, twisted demonic version of Zyderbach, the Akamizer's, like, flying shark battleship thing. And I was like, awesome. I, I so wanted to see that in the movie, and that's exactly what we got. And uh, it's really cool. I mean, like, it's such a great scene. So, you know, the Akamizer 3 fan in me was just squeeing like no tomorrow. And, you know, and again, it was like, man, this is so cool. I wish we could see this again. It's like, it's it's just too bad that this had to be wasted on having them as the villains. You know, I mean, they're great villains, and it's, it's still cool and everything. But, man, it would have been so cool to have them as heroes, you know, fighting alongside the riders, that sort of thing. And and I hope we still get that someday. I mean, it's not it's not too late to do something where they could take the Kyodines from the Forza movie and they could take Akamizer and bring them back and, and redeem them somehow. But, I mean, because the thing is, like, I get the whole, I get the appeal of having old heroes as villains because you see them and you're like, holy smokes, you know, it, it, it's it's the same thing with the Shocker Riders. I mean, it's like the reason the Shocker Riders are so cool is because it was Rider 1, but evil. You know, it was it was a moment, it was the sort of thing that you just, you stood up and you, you it got your attention. You know, you, you just had to see what's going to happen now because suddenly Rider 1 is fighting a guy who is literally his evil twin. You know, and then and then there's six of them, and then Rider Two shows up, and it's awesome. You know, and it's it's the it's the mentality behind the whole evil riders, evil heroes thing, and all that, and and that's cool. It's just the thing is, when it comes to doing this, where you have the old heroes and you bring them back as villains and all that. I mean, it's it's cool, but they had their own cool villains that you could resurrect. I mean, it's like why have an evil version of Kikaider? when you've got Hakaider, who's one of Tokusatsu's most recognizable, famous, and memorable villains. I mean, that's why, you know, if they do this again uh, in the next movie war, or whenever, if they do another one of these resurrect the old hero guy thing, I think as long as, as long as they're still good guys, you know, I'm okay with the whole idea of, well, the new characters and, and redesign the costumes or whatever. I mean, that, that's all right. You know, I like the original costumes, I like the original characters, but if it's like Anazaman, you know, I liked this version of Anazaman because he was drawing on the comic version, but he's also close enough to the TV show, and he's bringing something new to the table and really fits into the Forza universe. And again, with Patrine, I really liked how they did her. And the Akamizer guys, again, you know, really cool villains and all that. I just... It's like Akamizer 3 had some pretty cool bad guys that it'd be great to see them come back. Or, you know, again with Kyodan, I mean, in the Forze movie, they even they had Black Knight, who is really just kind of a sub-bad guy, and 
and the, and not even that actually by the end of the movie. I mean, he he kind of gets killed off a bit ignobly, but you know, I, I just I I think I would have liked it more if like he had been the final villain, or you, you'd had the Goblin Queen, or something like that, or the Deadly Five. You know, it just there there's so many cool old bad guys that they could be reviving alongside the old heroes. And I think you still get the same thrill of seeing the old heroes, you know, brought back and brought into the 21st century or whatever, that kind of stuff. But you also get the the classic villains that way, too. And I think that'd be really cool to see. Yeah, I just, I guess I'm just saying, like, if the, you know, I know they're going to do this with Kaider at some point, And I really hope they give us a new Hakaider or something. Because, you know, like in the Hakaider movie, at the very end, they did that whole thing where there's the giant robot that's got Hakaider's face and all that. And, and that's cool. But that worked because the whole movie was doing this whole inversion thing where Hakaider is he's evil, but he's also the hero because in this world, good is evil. And it's all, all sorts of crazy stuff going on. That really worked. If you were going to do that again, though, I would do it more like how they did in Azuman here, where Hakaider is a good guy. And you give them a classic, you know, you revise some classic villains like Kakaider or Green Sponge or, you know, whatever. Shadow Knight. You know, I'd love to see a new Shadow Knight. That'd be awesome. Um, You know, or even someone like with Robot Detective, you know, he doesn't have a super famous arch nemesis or anything. He has a lot of cool villains, but there's none that are really particularly famous, I would say. Not like Hakaider or something like that. Or even, you know, Inazuman has Udespar and Kyoran have, have Black Knight and that sort of thing. But, you know, even still, you could do some really cool things with having him as a good guy. I'd still love to see the robot detective in Futo, you know, meets Kamen Rider double story. That'd be awesome. Um, I'm really getting off track here, but yeah, overall, Akamizer you know, for all the kind of grievances I have about the fact that they're just villains, they're really cool villains, and they did a really cool job with them. And, you know, they, they fit quite well with the whole demonic theme of, of the villains in Wizard and coming from the Underworld, which is very similar to the Downworld, is what they called it in Agamemnon uh, 3. I mean, I've always called it Hell, because that's basically what it is, but... Yeah, they they were really cool, and it, it was a lot of fun to see them back and and done so well. I just I guess I hope we see them again and on the side of justice. <laughs> I guess that's the way I'm looking at it. Or either that, or they bring back the original original ones and give them sort of the Mega Max treatment, where it's you know the old costumes but doing new new tricks, that sort of thing. Now, as for the other villains in the movie, they're mostly old monsters from Double O's, Forze, and Wizard. Although, Forze's part also features the Herakus Zodiac, uh, who is the alter ego of Bamba. And he was pretty cool, although I didn't quite understand something with him, and that's that he's apparently a regular Zodiac, like he's got the regular switch, but he can also create dusters. And supposedly he has like the strength of all the horoscopes because he's got this huge club that's got their logos on it. But they didn't really show that, so I don't know if something was cut or like the idea is just that he's supposed to be as tough as they are. Like he's a regular zodiac that can do what they do, so he can create dusters and everything. I guess it was like that. I mean, he was pretty cool, uh, you know, cool design and everything. But just sort of, he was really. Very much the common writer Poseidon of the movie, I guess. He's sort of there at the beginning to be the villain in the first half. And then the rest of it's all Akamizer and 
the old villains and stuff. But uh, at the end of the day, it's still a Kamen Rider movie, so the Kamen Riders are the stars here, and they were awesome. Now, I know a lot of people are wondering, how did they work in Double and O's and all those guys? Because they do appear in the movie, although not in the way that you would expect. Like, not like in Mega Max, where it's the classic riders just show up, or Double drives in from Futa or whatever. What happens is, uh, the whole end of the movie, the whole final battle, is all taking place in the underworld, in, in sort of this alternate dimension. Because Forze and, and his characters, they all went back in time, and then showed up at the place where Wizard is, sort of the bad guy headquarters, and... Forze used a Forze engage ring, which he somehow has, and they actually explain where it came from at the end. I love that. So they manage to enter and help Wizard, but then there's still like there are monsters that are sort of like crossing over into the real world. So Koyomi's getting attacked, and Eiji shows up and helps her out, and then the kids, the the four kids who will eventually grow up to be Nazuman and friends, they're also in the dream world, and they get these rider rings, which they swipe over wizard's belt and that creates these sort of portholes and the riders show up like double xl o's and birth all sort of drop in now the, the kind of cool thing is before that you know how do the kids get the rings what happens is ag and the other guys give them to him like these sort of astral projection versions of them appear and i guess the idea is sort of it's almost like how um when Philip and Shotaro transformed in Let's Go Kamen Riders, I was interpreted as all the other guys are doing it too. It's just we see it from their perspective. So everybody, you know, showed up and henshined, and then we're seeing the, the double guys do it because they're the most recent. So it's the same thing here where we see AG. He, you know, gives the plot exposition and all that. Then he appears, and alongside him are these other guys, and it's not actually Shotaro and Philip and so on and you know they're stand-in guys because we only see them from the back or when we see them from the front there's sort of this light obscuring their face but they still gave the illusion that they're actually there and that they are appearing alongside with Eiji and lending their power to sort of teleport themselves into the world so I, the way I interpret it is that it is the actual riders appearing they're just sort of summoned by Wizard's magic power. And they, they don't really have any dialogue or anything, but, you know, AG voices O's, and the guy they have doing double, he, he just kind of grunts and stuff. But it sounds close enough to Shotaro that was like, all right, I can buy it. Uh, so it's not really the sort of interaction that we got with Mega Max, but it wasn't bad. Like, as far as, as ways to introduce the guest riders go, uh, they put a lot of thought into it, and I, I quite liked that. And they gave them plenty of stuff to do. Now, I remember seeing pictures that uh, Fang Joker was going to be in the movie, and, and he wasn't... I, did, I don't remember him anywhere. I know that Heat Trigger was, and Oz uses Burakawani. And then, at the very end, there's a really cool shot where they're all using their ultimate forms. Like, he got Super Tataba and Cyclone Gold Extreme, and Excel Trial, and Birthday, and Meteor Storm. And that's really cool. And then the, the really nice thing is that Nadesco is hanging out with the other guys. Like, she is, she's the eighth rider. They do a very nice sort of tribute to the eight riders movie by having the eight, kind of, the new eight riders. And she's one of them, and she gets plenty of action to do. I mean, she really is, like, part of the team. And, and this movie really cements her as being the third rider of Forze. 
and her and Meteor and Forza, they are a team now. And hopefully we'll see her again uh, if they ever return. Uh, but yeah, the way they worked in the past Riders was pretty cool. I did think it was funny that they sort of, they disappear right before the final battle. Like after it seems like they've won O's and double and everything, they're like, all right, we're going to go now. And they vanish. And then, you know, the, the big Zyder back shows up and Wizard and Forza are like, oh, darn, you know, but, um, and that of course leads into the final, final battle. Wherein we get Kamen Rider Forze, Medio, Nadesco, <laughs> Fusion States. And uh, and Wizard gets his, I think they just call it the Special Rush, which is combining all the different like final attack weapons of the dragon form. So he's got claws, he's got wings, he's got a tail, he's got the dragon head coming out of his chest. Uh, and, and you know what? This scene was really cool. I, I really dug it. I mean, it's a big mess of CGI, just like the end of Mega Max, but it was so exciting and so much fun that I didn't care. And, you know, again, the, the costumes for the, the super duper forms are just completely, like, off the rails. But they really worked. Like, Forze, with his, you know, rocket arms and the skis, they made it work because he's literally, like, skiing around on these giant lava tendrils and stuff like that. And that he fires the rockets off like missiles and so he does this double rocket punch and everything and yeah it's crazy i mean the the original uh meteor fusion states i actually grew to really like uh i loved it in the movie and even as a costume on its own i think it's okay i mean to me it certainly feels a bit more cosmic than actual cosmic states i mean i like cosmic states all right but when I just hear the word cosmic, that's what I think of. I think of stars and, and the glitter and all that stuff. So uh, that one I really kind of won me over. Now, this one, I'll admit, it's it's pretty ridiculous looking. But uh, and, and one of the things I actually liked about the original Meteor Fusion stage was the yellow eyes. I just think the yellow or, you know, gold and purple and white and black, they all really mix together well. And, and adding in the blue and pink is a bit much, but... You know, whatever. It, it it works in the movie. It was it was enjoyable to see. Uh, I like that they remembered that when he has to pull the lever on his belt, you know, one of the rockets disappears. That was cool. The wizard form was all right. It's basically all the dragon forms kind of mashed together, but it's pretty cool. So that was pretty good. Yeah, the whole final battle with the truck, that was all really awesome. I'm starting to run out of things to say here. Because uh, I think, as you can probably tell, I really liked this movie a lot. And it's actually hard to think of things I didn't like. I mean, it really comes down to just sort of the fan stuff where, you know, I, I wish they'd done a bit more with the Akamizer guys. And, and I want to see Patrine again. I, you know, I don't want to just be some dream of the donut shop owner. <laughs> it's, it's as goofy as that was. And I know they had to get him into the movie somehow, but. Uh, you know, I'd love to see her come back. I'd, I'd love to see all the Ishimura heroes come back, and we may yet see that in Superhero Tyson 2. I don't know. There was a trailer for that at the end, and as far as I could tell, there's an emphasis on space heroes, and particularly Gavin. They showed Gavin Type G, but it was all reused footage. It just I know that they made a big deal of Gavin, and there's like a line in there, someone's yelling, Gavin, I won't forgive you. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that one turns out, but... Oh, one other thing I have to mention that I thought was really funny is at the beginning of the movie, Ryusei and Inga Blink, a character from the Forza Summer movie, are down in South America kind of busting up this criminal cartel. And 
there is a foreign actor in this scene who gets to speak all in English, which is pretty cool. And something I thought was really cute is that when he's talking about Bamba and how he can transform with the switch and all that, he says he can morph. So that made me laugh. Um, but yeah, overall, this was a really great movie. I had a, a blast with this one. But I, I don't think anyone was expecting it was going to be bad or anything. I, I, I feel like maybe some people hearing all the spoilers and, and seeing all the new Ishinomori characters show up and everything, it seemed like a bit of a jumble. But honestly, yeah, I think this one's as good as Mega Max, at least. I don't know if I'd say it's better. And Mega Max, for me, personally, that's the one I like a bit more, as I've said. But yeah, this one was it was really good. It, it was a great ride. I guess I should talk about the ending, because I've sort of been hinting at that. Now... What I mean is that in how it wraps up the whole time travel thing. And that is... Wizard uses the time ring to send Forze and Meteor and Nadesco back to the future. And then he gives the Forze driver to pass Gantaro and also gives him the engage ring, which he will then use in the future. So that explains where he got that. And there's also this cool thing they did where... Gentaro, in the future, has this photo of him in his class that looks really old, like Kengo comments on it. He's like, that photo looks very beat up and everything, but it's supposed to be have just been taken like that year. What happens is, when he goes back in time, he drops it in the past, and his younger self picks it up. So he's had it all those five years, and that's why it's beat up. But the thing is, it already was beat up when he first got it. And so it creates this funny, you know, predestination paradox where, like, it, the photo never could have been taken because he got it from his future self and, and all that stuff. And it goes around in the circle. I love that kind of stuff. I really dug that. So, yeah, when it comes to the time travel in this movie, I, I really liked how they did it. Uh, it was very, it was a very clever plot, I thought. It was, it was really, really charming in that sort of way. But yeah, overall, not a whole lot else I can say about this one, honestly. It was a blast. I, I loved it. And you don't need me to tell you this movie was great. I think everybody's going to want to check this one out when it comes out. Hopefully in a couple months, I think, if Mega Max was anything to go by, it should at least be out in the springtime, I hope. Uh, we'll have the Forza Summer movie come out before then. And that's a good one to watch before this because this is very much a sequel to that and to Mega Max. There's a lot of reoccurring elements and, and characters. We even get a, a nice little cameo. That made me very happy to see. But uh, yeah, this one is a great movie overall. I, I dug it and I really hope they keep the same format for future movie wars and for the other movies too. You know, again, I don't like to be that guy who's like, Sakamo is the only good... <laughs> director working on Kamen films or anything, because I don't think that, but I do think he does tend to get very good uh, production teams. Like, he gets good writers, he gets good scripts, and he, he makes really good movies out of them. Like, it's, you know, there hasn't been one yet where I thought it was a, a flop or anything like that. I mean, again, even like with the Forza Summer movie, even though I wish there could have been more done with Kyodine on a script level, uh, as far as the execution of the film and everything, it was fine. They were awesome. There was great fight scenes in that. It was a really cool film. And it's the same thing here, where the quibbles are at the, the writing level only, I think. And that is stuff that you know, hopefully they will they will improve upon the next time they do this. I'd really like to see them do another film like this with 
classic Ishinomori heroes back, but also maybe more of the villains coming back too, because there's a lot of great old villains that it'd be cool to see come back. I mean, I remember when they had Apollo Geist in Kamarai Decade, that was like so exciting. I mean, I know it's exciting to have Kamarai Black back too and everything, Black RX, but for me personally, it, those are always going to be the Apollo Geist World episodes. Like that's that's how excited I was by those. But you know, I guess everybody has their own thing in a in a movie or show that really hooks them in, and that's what they want to see most. I mean, you know, for some people, the coolest thing in Mega Max was seeing Shotar and Philip. For other people like myself, it was seeing the Seven Riders, or you know, honestly, the whole thing was great. But. Um, same thing here, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of things that everyone will be interested to see. I'm sure some people are coming into this really wanting to see Wizard, or wanting to see Forze, or Nadesco, Inazuman, whatever. But I think the whole package overall is, is really good, and really enjoyable, and uh, it's a great movie. And I've seen a lot of great movies this year, I keep saying that, but it's true. I've seen many fantastic films but this was certainly one of them. And I guess when it comes to the end of the year and I decide what was my favorite Rider movie of 2012, that's going to be tough because I feel like I have to count Mega Max in there because I didn't see it until 2012, even though it's a 2011 movie. But then there's this one too. And, and like I said, of the ones that came out in theaters, this was definitely the best and, and my favorite. So that's going to be tough. I'm going to have to think about that for a while, but... That wraps it up for this episode of Rider Break. Uh, I'm sorry if it was a little brief, but as you might be able to tell, my voice is kind of going, and I'm I'm in just full-on ramble mode here. So uh, I think it's time to wrap this up. And if you have any further questions about the movie, or like if there's something I I didn't touch on that you'd like to know about more, uh, let me know. You know, send me a message on Twitter. I think probably the best thing to do is send an email because. You know, if you don't want to spoil other people, then then don't <laughs> ask me publicly. Just send me an email or something like that, or even the comments on this uh, the thread for this episode. You can do that. Yeah, you know, I'd be happy to know because I'm sure there's stuff that I missed. I will try to get to see the movie again at some point because it's definitely worth watching again. Um, oh, of course, how could I forget? Comrade Beast showed up at the very end of the movie after the credits, and uh, he was okay. You know, that not much to say. It's it's sort of like it was a bit better than Excel's introduction, but not as good as Meteor's. So, you know, he showed up and he was cool, but he, he really just, he puts on his falcon cape and jumps into the camera. That was it. But uh, he was he was all right, and I'm looking forward to seeing him in action on the show. <laughs> um, and when the theme song, the ending theme song was pretty cool. I'll have to listen to it you know, isolate on its own, because usually when they play it over the end credits, I'm paying attention to what was being spoken and all that, but I liked it. It was cool to hear. Of course, they get the uh, Forze and Wizard themes in there. Music's good all around. I think they worked in some bits of the original Patrine theme. I'm not sure. i got to double-check that, but yeah. Oh, man, she was cool. I want to see her back. I, I want to see her and Akamizer and Inazuman back someday in... I don't know, Ishinomori, movie war Ishinomori, let's call it that, you know, <laughs> I don't know. All right, well, that wraps it up for this episode of Rider Break. Thanks for listening. Thanks for putting up with my nonsensical ramblings, and uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I promise I will try to get another one up 
very soon. I've got a whole lot of wizard to catch up on. Uh, the first 13 episodes or so, or 14 by the time you're listening to this. And uh, yeah, there's there's a bunch of other things. I have, I have a couple things in the pipeline that I'd like to get out before the end of the year. Because 2013 is going to be busy, I think. But yeah, there's still a few more weeks in 2012, and I'd like to get a few more things out, at least. We'll see what happens. But uh, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.